pray with me? Holy Father, be with us tonight. Be with us as we come before you. As we seek to search us, as we seek to seek to search to know ourselves and to know ourselves in light of who you are. Prepare in us a place to come to you. Work in us and through us, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Mic issues. Gotta love it. Seems like when I get up front, I have a mic issue. Anyway. I love listening to music. In fact, I usually always have something playing in the backgrounds, and this usually is, some, is to my wife's dismay because she enjoys quiet. She enjoys some peace, and I enjoy noise. I like listening to things, and I don't sit well, so music is great because it kind of allows me to listen to something. And I listened to this song for the, few, for the first time a few months ago, and it's haunted me ever since. The somber tone struck a chord in me, and it made me feel very sad about the present state that the world is in. I found myself railing against the materialism in our culture, the violence in the world, and the pain that is so evident in our lives. I felt despondent about how to make sense of this, and even worse, I didn't even know what my response was supposed to be. I kept listening to it. I kept wanting to figure out why it made me feel so frustrated. And as I did this, I kept getting stuck when the singer said, like me. I got stuck and it caused me to realize some things about myself. First, I realized that despite our grand notions about progress, that the world isn't getting better with each day. The common saying that the more things change, the more they stay the same is much truer than we would like to admit at times. Because there's still war, there's still famine, there's still neglect and abuse the world over. And these aren't new problems, and we know they aren't. But for some reason, we still buy into the idea that we can fix them. That if we knew just a little more, or we worked just a little harder, that we could fix the problems of the world. But the idea that through our politics or our technology or our scientific achievements that we could somehow overcome these problems is at best an illusion. And this illusion is shattered to pieces when we confront the persistent evil that is still present despite our best efforts. From there I came to a place where I realized that when I do stop to think about the problems in the world, I don't stop to think about my part in them. To be honest, this isn't something that I like to do, and it's something that I struggle to do. In my relationship with my wife, I've noticed that I'm so quick to point out about how she's done something to hurt me or to wound me. But I'm not as good about stopping to think about, hey, have I hurt you? Have I wounded you? And I think this points to something that we all do. We're very quick to point out the evil in the world outside of ourselves, to place it out there. The problems are here. But we fail to remember that we have a part in them. We fail to remember that there is evil in us as well. When we read in Genesis, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, we need to realize that we are created from the very same stuff of this world. That despite our best efforts, on our own, we cannot rise above the fallen state that this world is in, or our part in it. And I think this is why that song cuts so deep for me. 
Because after every stanza where the singer highlights the problems in the world, he adds the phrase, like me. In the same breath, he identifies the very dark corners of the world, the things that we don't want to think about, the the seedy things that make our stomachs turn. And then he says, like me. He identifies the problems in himself at the same time. He doesn't just assume some objective or arrogant vantage point to criticize the world and its problems. With very deep authenticity, he exposes the very present problems in the world and he includes himself among them. And to be honest, I don't like this. I don't like admitting that I'm a part of the problem. It's something that I, again, it's something that I struggle to do and I think we struggle to do. During my junior year of college, I read a book. It's called Blue Like Jazz. It's by a guy named Donald Miller. And for a theological student, this book was just a breath of fresh air. It seemed to cut through the theological jargon that, you know, when you're in this discipline, you get sucked into, and it spoke to me. And I was especially affected when Miller was talking about sin. And he makes the statement, I am the problem. And I want to share part of this with you. He says, I am the problem. I think that every conscious person, every person who is awake to the functioning principles within their reality, has a moment where they stop blaming the problems of the world on groupthink, on humanity and authority, and they start to face themselves. He says, I hate this more than anything. This is the hardest principle within Christian spirituality for me to deal with. The problem is not out there. The problem is the needy beast of a thing that lives in my chest. He says later, I talk about love, forgiveness, social justice. I rage against American materialism in the name of altruism. But have I ever controlled my own heart? The overwhelming majority of time I spend thinking about myself, pleasing myself, reassuring myself. And when I am done, there is nothing to spare for the needy. Six billion people live in this world, and I can only muster thoughts for one, me. He concludes, I think Jesus feels very strongly about communicating the idea of our brokenness. And I think it's worth reflection. Nothing is going to change in the world until you and I figure out what's wrong with the person in the mirror. Nothing is going to change in the world until you and I figure out what's wrong with the person in the mirror. When I read this for the first time, I had no idea how I was supposed to respond. In my head, I could agree with everything he was saying. But in my heart, I felt so convicted. Like the song, Miller spoke to me and he reminded me that despite my good deeds, my attempts at being good, that I'm as much a part of the problems of the world as anybody else. And I think when we enter into Ash Wednesday, when we enter into Lent, this kind of reflection has to be a part of those thoughts. This is a time that we take each year to celebrate our redemption, to reflect on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we can't do this if we don't take the time to reflect on why we need to be redeemed. The challenge here, though, is to enter into this without being trite. 
And speaking from my own experience, again, in my head, I get that I'm fallen. I totally understand it. I know that I need Jesus, but I struggle in my heart to accept this. And I do this because on some level, I want to save myself. On some level, I still struggle to submit to the reality that I'm a very broken and selfish person. And what scares me at times is that if I admit this, I may need to do something about it. And the reason it scares me is because I'm a control freak. I look for the ways that things could go wrong. You would not believe the amount of time that I make, I, I plan for contingencies, for how I can avoid or fix problems so that I know how to deal with things when they come up. And as a control freak, what scares me about this is I might come to the realization that there's nothing I can do. The psalmist's words in our scripture speak something that I struggle to say at times because they speak with an authenticity that scares me. The psalmist has a very deep understanding of who he is. He knows he is broken. He knows he is in need of God's help. And while the song takes me to a place of sadness and reflection on who we are, the psalm takes me to a place of confession before the Lord. And I think this is key. This is key for all of us as we enter into a time of reflection before Easter, as we approach the cross, for us to take hold of the salvation that God has given us through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we need to come to a place where we can say, God, I need you. And that's not just when it's comfortable, not when it's easy, when life's going well, hey God, I need you. But when it hurts, when it is painful, we need to be able to say, God, I really need you. We need to come to a place with a place of deep honesty where we can lay bare the stains that sin has left on us. Say, God, here I am. Here's me. Here's how broken, here's how dirty I am. Cleanse me and make me anew. And we can trust that as we do this, that God will meet us on this journey. Because we believe in a God who will do what he has said he is going to do. He will restore the world in its entirety. This is the thread that runs throughout the Old Testament witness of a God who providentially cares for his people despite who they are. We see that through his covenant with Abraham that he intends to restore his people, to give them a special part in this restoring action as he intends to restore all of creation. This, however, will come at a cost. And this cost is the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This sacrifice is the fulfillment of God's promise to us. The good news of the scriptures revealed to us that ours is a God who is not distant. He is a God who intimately cares for us and wants good for us. The life of Jesus gives us assurance that he will never leave us and that he will never forsake us. Listen to the assuring words of Psalm 103. Words of comfort for us on this Ash Wednesday. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, 
so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, and he remembers that we are dust. Listen to that. God knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. When I hear that, I just think that that's amazing. Because one of the things that I've struggled with throughout my entire life is this nagging fear that if people really knew me, if they knew how small and weak that I feel at times, they would leave me. And say nothing of the future soldiers or congregations that I hope to lead. But in that fear, God is still there. God is still present and still with me. Because he knows at the outset of our relationship that I am scared, that I am small, that I am weak. And yet he is still there, still breathing life into me, into this dust. Thinking again about this song, I told you how I felt despondent at how to address the problems of this world. And after reflecting, I think that part of how we do this is by letting God breathe through us. By saying to him, yes, I know that the world is fallen like me. Heal me and allow me to take part in the ways that you are healing the world. Because that's the ultimate end game. Sometimes when we talk about salvation, we talk about it that I have assurance. I'm going to heaven. I got my golden ticket. And that's not the case. Salvation isn't about you or me. It's about the world being put back to rights. About the whole of the creation being brought back to its intended purpose. That the life-giving breath of God would penetrate the whole of creation and glorify Him. The world as a whole will change. Picture this scene with me. As the prophet Isaiah tells us that the wolf will live with the lamb. That the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. When I try to wrap my head around that or imagine that, I realize that what God is doing is bigger than what I can understand. But what I do know is that he's called me to take, and he's called us, to take part in this healing. But we can only do this if we first let God breathe through us and put us to rights. So what do we do during this season of Lent? We rest in the assurance that God will lead us. We rest in the knowledge that God loves us despite who we are. That when we read the promises of God saving a sinful people, that we can add with hopeful reassurance, like me. Rest in the saving grace that as we acknowledge our need for repentance, our need for mercy, and our need for forgiveness, that God will forgive us, God will forgive you, and God will forgive me. I want to encourage us as people of God, as people whom God dearly loves, to take hold of this opportunity to acknowledge our need for repentance, our need for mercy, and our need forgiveness and say heal me heal us
May that be our Ash Wednesday prayer. Amen.